This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. We checked in our bags an hour before the flight. Just cancelled. It's a pretty common story, getting to the airport and finding out your flight has been cancelled or delayed. Four yesterday, then it got pushed to 4.30, then 5, then 5.30, then 8, and we're about to board and then they cancelled. And in Australia, there's little to no burden on the airline to compensate you for that. So customers are often left in the lurch. Now, the government is considering a scheme that would force airlines to compensate customers whose travel plans are unfairly upended. It's part of a broader push to change local aviation laws that some believe are lagging behind the rest of the world. Today, Australia's aviation shakeup. It's Tuesday, the 16th of May. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So Elias, you've reported that Australians could soon receive compensation for flight delays and cancellations. Why did you first start looking into this? Well, as the Guardian's transport reporter, it should come as no surprise that I get a lot of people complaining to me about their experiences flying around Australia. And I think a pretty consistent theme among all of those is just how tough it is to get a resolution if you've got a complaint. How tough is it in Australia? What's the system that we have set up? Yeah, well, essentially in Australia, if an airline delays or cancels your flight and it's their fault, they'll probably have an internal policy for what they offer their passengers compensation. So one airline might be pretty good and they might offer you a hotel accommodation overnight or your choice of when you want to be rescheduled to. Mm. You know, if another airline delays your flight, they might offer you a voucher at the airport. But at the end of the day, it's really up to the airline to decide what they want to do if they've caused you a delay. It means airlines can actually sell you a plane ticket. And even though you've purchased it to fly on a particular day and time, if you go down into the nitty gritty of the terms and conditions, they'll actually say that time of departure doesn't form part of our contract with this ticket. So airlines really do have a lot of room to move when it comes to delays and cancellations, and passengers don't have a lot of rights in terms of what they're entitled to. Are there any laws in place at the moment that protect passengers for flight cancellations or delays? We don't really have any national laws that set out exactly what passengers are entitled to if their flights are delayed or cancelled. I mean, of course, Australia's consumer law still applies here, as it does to all industries. But all that really says is that what people purchase has to be fit for the purpose intended and it has to be delivered within a reasonable time frame. But those are really vague terms and I guess there's quite a few concerns that it's really tough for people to complain about those breaches and have them enforced. 
other than calling the airline, which can lead to hours and hours on the phone, is there any other way to make a complaint? There actually is this office called the Airline Customer Advocate that was set up a few years ago to deal with complaints to airlines. Though I think what we've seen in the years since it's set up is that it doesn't really have enough power or sway with airlines. What it does is it accepts complaints from the public and all it can really do is chase up airlines to respond to those complaints. But if there's no agreement between the customer and the airline, they can't really do much more than that. Mm. Sounds like customers don't really have a lot of power in this situation. How does this compare to other countries and their systems for compensation and complaints? Yeah, when you look at the globe, I think it's fair to say Australia lags quite far behind in this space. A lot of people will point to the European Union and how they deal with airline customer rights Mm. because they have a compensation scheme that basically forces airlines to pay a set amount of cash compensation to passengers who are affected by delays or cancellations. In a nutshell, the way the laws work in the EU is that if your flight arrives three hours or more after it was scheduled at its destination, you're entitled to some cash. So that could be anywhere from 250 euros to 600 euros, depending on the distance of the trip. Now, if your flight's cancelled, you're entitled to get your money back, obviously, and the law states it has to be paid within seven days. Now, these rules only apply for delays and cancellations that are within an airline's control, which are actually pretty common. So they'll often try and move people around, cancel services for financial reasons. And this basically tries to say, you can't just do that and leave passengers hanging, you know? You owe them something to deliver that service. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a punishment if you don't. And if you miss your connecting flight, they have to pay compensation for that too. If that means you need to stay in a hotel overnight, well, that's a guarantee. It's nothing you have to fight for. Right. So cash in hand within a week after your flight is delayed or cancelled. That's pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, it's a far cry from what happens here. And while the EU system is really strong and robust and a lot of people point to it as a model for Australia, compensation rules exist in lots of different countries. It's not just the EU. Australia really is an odd one out in some of the comparable countries where you'd expect these kinds of laws. Mm. How bad is the problem of flight cancellations and delays in Australia right now? Obviously, reports of delays and cancellations were everywhere last year as the aviation industry was picking itself back up after the pandemic. Mm. And while things have improved a lot, they're still lagging behind the long-term average. You know, almost 30% of domestic flights in Australia are arriving late. Mm. And when it comes to the rate of cancellations, that's also up. And when you look across the globe, while all countries are still recovering after COVID, on-time performances in places like the United States is much closer to that long-term average than it is in Australia. Mm. Why is this problem so bad in Australia? Is it because we just have fewer airlines here, essentially, and therefore they're not pressed to compete as much as in other countries? I think it's a great question. And a lot of people will probably say that that's got something to do with it. There's also some really interesting legislation that I don't think a lot of people realise dictates how airlines can operate in Australia. There's been a few complaints from smaller airlines recently levelled against the larger operators like Qantas and Virgin, Mm. claiming that they're preventing them from expanding, particularly into airports such as Sydney. Because at Sydney, the federal government actually legislates a cap of how many aircraft can take off and land per hour. Mm. It's part of a system that the government calls the use it or lose it approach. And the way this system works is that if an airline is going to, say, schedule 
10 flights between Sydney and Brisbane one day. A couple of days out, they might realise that, oh, you know, we're actually not going to fill all these flights. We're not going to fill all these planes and we're probably not going to make as much money as we could. Now, an airline's entitled to cancel some of those flights. Maybe they'll cut three and consolidate their passengers across the seven services that they do fly. Mm. Now, under the slot system, if they cancel those flights last minute, they'll still retain the slots. So, So that means no competitors can come in and say hey, we're a new budget airline and we're going to fly this service for half the cost of you. So there's an incentive for airlines essentially to cancel last minute, to put up flights that they might suspect they would never be able to fill. Well, well, I think that's the key question here, right? Because they're entitled to do it, but I think there's some concern that airlines probably know what demand is like after a certain period of time, but that still they're scheduling these flights even though they only ever really, in a good day, sell seven of those 10 flights and that it's becoming a pattern for them to cancel those flights, almost part of their business model. And I think that's led to some pretty fair questions about, you know, what the impact is of that on airlines and competition in Australia. Mm. So the government is looking at changing all this. How serious is this push to change legislation, specifically around compensation as well? This discussion is happening at a really interesting time because the Albanese government is pushing ahead with a a white paper for the aviation industry, which is basically a long-term plan going forward. And as part of that white paper process, the government's basically said, we want to hear from you, Australia. Tell us what you think is a problem or what you want to see in aviation. And some really big players have been raising the idea of a compensation scheme. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, but also the Consumer Advocate Choice, You also have the Australian Lawyers Alliance. And so there's really kind of a a broad uh, stretch of society that's really trying to tell the government, hey, look over here, look at places like the EU. We think they've got a good thing going. Mm. And I think a lot of people calling for a system like what they have in the EU say that by having those consistent laws, you actually help people realise and understand what they're entitled to. It's not hidden in the terms and conditions where they have to dig it out and find out. And what kind of timeline can we expect some changes from this white paper? By early next year, the government really hopes to set out a framework for the future of aviation, and that will include some new recommendations for laws. I think now that we've seen the airlines rebound from COVID, we've seen them post pretty decent profits, especially when it comes to Qantas. The flying kangaroo is soaring again. Qantas has revealed a record $1 billion half-year profit and a huge post-pandemic comeback. We can have a bit more confidence that now is a fair time to, to bring them in and have this discussion about how we can better balance some of those issues we have about how Australians can better be served by our aviation industry. Next why some passengers are being turned away at the gate by airlines. Hey, Laura Mefiotes here, one of the hosts of Full Story. It's Guardian Australia's 10th birthday, and to celebrate, we're hosting a special live recording of Full Story at Vivid Sydney in June. We'll be talking about Australia's natural environment and how to save it. I'll be joined by a panel of special guests, including Independent Senator for the ACT, David Pocock, Dr Dennis Rose, a Gunachamara traditional owner and conservation expert, National Co-Convener of the Labor Environment Action Network, Felicity Wade, and Guardian Australia's own environment editor, Adam Morton. 
The event is in Sydney and you can buy tickets on the Vivid Sydney website right now. Just search for Full Story. Okay, we really hope to see you there. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, Elias, before the break, we spoke about the push for better compensation for delays and cancellations of flights. But what are some of the other big problems that are coming up in the white paper that you've been reporting on? One of the ones that comes up quite a lot is discrimination against travellers with disability. One story I've covered last year was that of Tony Jones. He relies on a wheelchair and when he was flying from Sydney to Ballina, he was turned away at the gate because the airline refused to help him transfer into the seat that they wanted him to travel on. According to Tony, the airline said they didn't have staff available to help him into the chair. And he was offered a flight later that day, but that wasn't really going to work for him because he actually had to fly up for work and fly back down the same day. So he was outraged about that, as it basically meant he couldn't travel. And since reporting this, I've been in contact with with so many passengers with disabilities who rely on wheelchairs, who face very similar issues about accessing flights. And quite famously last year, Australian Paralympian Carney Liddell was blocked from boarding a Jetstar flight with a wheelchair when she needed to go to the Sundays for work. She was told by ground staff she could board but she couldn't take her wheelchair, which contains a lithium battery, because it was classified as a dangerous good. And as she said in an interview with Nine News... She said to me, ma'am, you can fly, but um, you you can't bring your wheelchair. I've been fighting this fight for years. I feel like a crack record. My friends have heard a hundred stories about me and airlines. I want them to see us as humans and passengers and customers. I've never been treated like a customer. And a lot of the people I've spoken to with these kinds of issues say that Australian airports really compare quite poorly compared with their experiences around the world. And they also say things have gotten worse since the pandemic. What can someone with a disability do if they're told you can't get on this flight and they're left stranded at an airport? Well, look, you can complain to the airline. A lot of people say that that doesn't often lead to much. There are federal laws around how airlines and airports have to deal with people with disability. They're called the transport standards. But these are kind of murky and a lot of the time there's not much incentive or follow-up to make sure people are complying. And so the most common route to pursue a legal complaint is really with the Australian Human Rights Commission. And so as a result, Tony, who we mentioned earlier, went to the Human Rights Commission and they were able to basically bring Tony and Jetstar to a mediation And it's through that process that a lot of people feel is the only way they can have their issue heard. How common are those types of complaints to the Human Rights Commission? Tony's issue is far from isolated. The Human Rights Commission has actually made a submission as part of the Aviation White Paper. Between 2016 and 2022, the Human Rights Commission's received about 118 disability discrimination complaints against airlines. 
Mm. Elias, I know this isn't the only issue of discrimination that you've been reporting on with airlines. Tell me about the issue with larger bodied passengers as well. There's been a trend among airlines that's concerned obesity advocacy groups in recent years, which is that airlines are now saying to some passengers that if you require two seats, then you'll have to pay for two fares. Mm. And obviously part of the concern with that is that it's discriminating against people for something they can't control. And even putting aside that question, there's a lot of concerns with just how airlines go about enforcing these rules of what they call passengers of size. Airlines won't actually say what qualifies as a passenger of size. Mm. In many cases, it'll entirely depend on if there's a spare seat on the day that you travel. And if you rock up to the airport and the plane's full and they deem you as needing another seat, they'll basically say, we're going to have to move you onto a flight at a later date. And I think there's a lot of concerns from advocates basically saying, how can you live a life? How can you plan a holiday like that with your family to go to an airport and rock up and leave it all to chance that, hey, maybe I'll fly today, maybe I won't. What are some of the solutions that have come up in the white paper process around discrimination of people with disabilities and discrimination of larger body people as well? The Human Rights Commission's been pretty blunt in, in its submission to the white paper. It basically said how there are standards that airlines and airports are meant to operate within to help people with disabilities travel, but that in reality, there's almost no incentive for them to abide by these standards. And when it comes to the question of how airlines might be discriminating against larger body passengers, there's been some talk about how in Canada, for instance, it's illegal for airlines to charge people more because of their their size. And, and basically an airline, if it deems that someone needs two seats, well, it has to provide them two seats next to each other for no additional cost. Mm. Passing laws takes time. Is there a quicker solution here? Well, yeah, I think a common idea that seems to have a lot of broad support is basically for the establishment of an airline passenger ombudsman. So an office that deals with complaints about airlines. It almost acts as that advocate for consumers. You look to other industries like telecommunications, there's a really robust ombudsman there and people have pointed to that as a really good model because that delivers quite good results for people complaining. And I think a lot of the reasons why people think an ombudsman would be good would be its ability to really settle a lot of these issues between customers and airlines before they have to become much bigger problems, you know, having to go to court or things like that does sound like there could be some change in the next year or so. What is at stake with this revamp of the aviation industry? Well, I think there's quite a lot at stake. Australia really needs air travel. We're a big country. As a population, we're very clustered in our cities. We have no high-speed train network. And we need air travel to see our families, loved ones, and often to work as well. It's central to our lives. So... I think it's really important that we make sure our aviation industry is really working for us. That was urban affairs and transport reporter Elias Vizonte. His latest piece on this issue looks at the response from Australian airlines to the proposed compensation laws, with many claiming that it would force them to raise their airfares. We've linked to that and more reporting on the Full Story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and myself. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producer of this episode is Miles Matnioni. I'm Laura Mefiotes. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.